This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. We don't measure our success only in terms of how much money we bring in. We measure our success in terms of our impact. Remember Acorn? I don't think I raised a single dollar off that. I had a stack of media coverage to the ceiling. We measure our success in terms of what we produce, not just in terms of our wallets. That was a pretty fundamental conflict I felt. The day prior, I had informed him in front of his colleagues that he, if he wasn't willing to follow my lead, he'd be shown the door. I tried to deal with it privately, but I was unsuccessful, and the disagreement boiled over publicly in a staff meeting. The next day, this individual refused to resign, so I fired him. Later that same day, that's Feb Thursday, February 2nd, a few days after the 50 million viewed Pfizer videos, I was informed by a different officer of Project Veritas that he would go to the board in a few hours from that moment and have an emergency vote to restructure this company receiving an agenda in my email while I was sitting on an airplane tarmac with the doors closing, the, the meeting was scheduled for the moment that my plane landed in Nashville. It became clear to me in that moment, I would be removed from my position at Project Veritas by the time I landed at my destination. I bet you didn't know that. I have a copy of the, the emergency meeting here for you guys to take a look at. It's, it's in writing. You could read it. You don't have to be there. You can read the minutes. They're official board minutes. They're written by a lawyer. My first question on the phone to this guy, my colleague, as I was staring at this agenda when the stewardess was asking me to get off the phone, was, quote, what are we going to tell our supporters if I'm removed from my position? I think that's the first question. I haven't had a hundred questions, but that was the first one. My colleague, who is an officer of Project Veritas, responded by saying our supporters wouldn't have to find out. Mm. Sounds like something you would get in the Claire McCaskill campaign. <laughs> it sounds like something you'd it sounds like something you would expose. I was so shocked by this, and again, the stewardess was asking me to get off the phone. I was in I, I guess you could say that I was in a state of complete shock. How would our supporters not be informed of such an enormous thing? It was a lapse in judgment so severe that it was itself a fireable offense to make a statement like that. It was a lapse in judgment so severe, it was, it was impossible to hide my removal from my position at Veritas to anybody. As the CEO and chief fundraiser, I have to explain the context of my role to thousands of people 300 days a year on the road while soliciting them for funds so that I can pay you. And I knew many of our supporters and donors would not like that change. If I was removed from the chief decision maker at the organization I founded, I share who we are, our vision, our structure, our strategy with everybody. In fact, hiding something so fundamental from people is something that we stand against in principle. 
particularly with the amount of scrutiny that we're under. The doors closed, the plane took off, but somehow over the next few hours, I was able to convince the board to push this emergency meeting to that Monday, February the 6th. The very next day, and this is where things gets really bizarre. So fasten your seatbelts. The very next day on Friday, this is now Friday, February 3rd, a board member reached out to one of our journalists and stated, quote, you get a raise if there is a restructure without James O'Keefe at Project Veritas. I have a copy of the text message and I'll give it to all of you. I redacted the name of the journalist. The board member deleted the message, but not before our journalist took screenshots. Good job, journalist. Yeah. <laughs> On Sunday, February 5th, now that's Sunday, two days after the Friday, a board member requested my presence at his home. He informed me, quote, you had nothing to do, James, with this Pfizer story, unquote. Perplexed by this, I took out my iPad and showed him a video of myself confronting the Pfizer executive, which had 11 million views on YouTube. He responded, quote, but that was after the undercover video had already been done, unquote. I pointed out that the brave journalist, and many of you know who this person is, I'm not gonna name anyone, who recorded the interaction was someone that I had to sit down over a year prior, remember, over dinner, for hours, talking off the proverbial ledge insisting he take the long, arduous road to get the story about Pfizer, and indeed he did. The board member responding to me saying that said he did not know that and admitted that another board member was persuading him to the contrary. In the meeting, that's now the, we're fast forwarding to Monday two weeks ago, on the 6th, I offered an apology letter to the board for my tone of voice in the office at the leadership meeting the week before that I intended to also share that apology for my tone of voice with our staff. But the board refused to accept my apology, nor believe that it was sincere. They also did not support my sending it to the staff. I imagine many of you didn't even know that I drafted an apology. Then I was subject to a six and a half hour listing of grievances, which included taking black cars to meetings. I don't know the significance of the color of the vehicle. And taking a few charter jets over the years to pack multiple PV meetings in a day. One of those jets, I think we had a meeting in New York, Wisconsin, and California in the same day, and it, and it raised $2 million. But the revenue part was omitted. There was also some truly bizarre grievances, including my failure to record audio in one encounter at a bar in upstate New York and an allegation that I stole a pregnant woman's sandwich in federal court. There were also discussions from a few staffers with donors in the boardroom. Donors were listening to some of this, and some of these were sent directly to donors without my consent. Donors who have no knowledge of my personal life and have no business asking questions about my personal life about girls I've dated in the past. A fundraising colleague relayed, and again, this is gonna start getting really strange, but I'm, this, this board meeting was video recorded 
We'll get to that in a minute. A fundraising staffer relayed, quote, concerns about my behaviors regarding videos where I, quote, literally chased a Twitter executive around New York. By acclamation from all of you in 2022, that video about the Twitter chase was one of the most successful videos. But yet, your colleagues in a boardroom were expressing concerns about it. Every board member previously communicated their love of that video, but none pushed back in that moment when the staffer criticized it. Why? The attacks were so severe against me personally in that boardroom, and again, this is all video recorded, and I suggest that you ask for that. I will not provide that to you. This, the attacks were so severe that one board member asked, quote, is there anything James O'Keefe is good at? That's what your board member said. Oh, and by the way, this meeting was video recorded. I'm gonna keep saying that. You may wanna ask existing board members if they wanna share that entire video with you. I suggest you request the entire seven hour or so video to see for yourself what actually happened. You don't have to have been there. You simply need to watch the video and hear all of the testimony. After the six hours, I was asked what I had to say for myself. I was given about 10 seconds to respond, and then I was dismissed. Then, and I'm reading from board minutes drafted by lawyers who are taking a record of what the board members said and did, a vote was called to strip me of all of my authority and decision-making at this organization for half a year. That's 180 days. Again, it's in the board minutes. You'll have a copy of it. It says, quote, the CEO's ability to make these decisions suspended for 180 days with such power transferred to the executive director. The executive director reports to the board. The CEO is placed on leave for two weeks and the CEO's access to donors is restricted. So I can't talk to donors. I can't raise money. Let's see. Okay. My first Question, before I was dismissed, I asked how the remaining team will manage the company and what the plan was. That's something you, you had said, what's the plan? But they didn't provide one. It was clear they didn't actually have one. And then I was dismissed. So I went off the grid as requested. Went hiking with Kennedy in the mountains. Within a few days of going off the grid, I started receiving missed calls and texts from the same board members and officers who demanded I be gone. They informed the staff that they're waiting to hear from me. I found that odd. There was a corporate resolution demanding that I be gone for two weeks. I was a little worried about violating the corporate resolution, <laughs> wouldn't you? This was while I was commanded by a motion of a board to be literally gone on paid leave for two weeks. And then an officer at Project Veritas took a screenshot of my red receipts of text messages and distributed them to you saying, quote, you owe your team a response, please allow communication. This was during the time when I was required by the board to be gone. Then, going to get stranger. Then, and again, I'm going to give you copies of all this. Then, on February 10th, you guys don't know what I'm about to tell you. Another board meeting occurred. Again, I'm gone. 
with the meeting's minutes reflecting that they had indefinitely suspended me from the board, by this time they had stripped me of all of my authority as CEO. During the time I was on leave, they kicked me off the board. So I can't be a CEO if I have no authority. I can't make any decisions. I'm not allowed to access any donor names. I wasn't even sure what my job was or if I even had a job. Right now, I actually don't. I'm not sure what my job here is. In the board minutes, it says that I no longer have a paycheck and I'm indefinitely suspended from this organization. When I left the office, and this is where I'm gonna get emotional, so please forgive me. When I left the office on February 6th after being stripped of all my authority, I saw my father and gave him a hug, realizing just how honest and real of a man he is. Both my parents are as genuine and down to earth as a son could ever have. It's true you never really know someone until you go through hell with them. You see, back in the carriage house 13 years ago, the feds would come to my home to make sure that I was inside my house administering random drug tests and rifling through my expenses to make sure I wasn't lying about the strawberry ice cream I bought at 7-Eleven. I didn't have any money, but they went through my debit card statements and tried to get me to sign things to prove I wasn't lying. There were federal agents showing up at my parents' house. There were no donors. There were no supporters. And I was not trending on Twitter. My father went through this hell with me and stood up to those bullies on the front lawn and told them to stop harassing our family. And at that point, that's all I had was him. I was otherwise completely alone. I will never forget that. Now the good news, we're no longer alone. We have millions of Americans who do, who also know who I am. In fact, sorry. In fact, you have, and we all have watched their overwhelming support. They see the truth. They know who I am. I also know many of you know who I am, and you know what's right, right? You know, you, you're, you're, you're people of principle here, people in this room, and this now may be your moment of truth. You're in the war room. We stand with James O'Keefe, and we'll be back in a moment. Despite the U.S. blowing through $31.4 trillion debt ceiling in January, the leftist White House still refuses to reduce spending. While our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand, when it comes to fiscal responsibility, it's time to pull yours out. Think about this. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, Every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000, and it's only going to get worse. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king because it's dependable. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text Bannon, that's B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of our precious metals specialists. Protect yourself with gold today. 
by texting Bannon to 989898. That's Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. With an A-plus rating, with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Text Bannon to 989898 today to get your free info kit. Take action. Use your agency. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. After 2014, we began helping Ukraine build the military that is succeeding. And creating a mid-level core of non-commissioned officers was a big part of it. Ukraine had had a Russian-style army uh, in terms of tactics, in terms of the ways it, it used armor, uh, in terms of uh, under-resourced middle uh, commanders. Right. And, that, and that began to change. Uh, the centerpiece of that was our training of Ukrainian special forces. <clears throat> We're dispersed now around the country and doing all kinds of extraordinary things. Same time, we began to develop new ways to use technology and to integrate our, our ability to see the battle space with extraordinary fidelity and update it constantly through AIs. You know, understand what a target looks like, feed it into the system, use it for intelligence analysis, use it for targeting. I mean, if you wonder why the Russians are always on their back foot, why they never seem to make much progress, it's because we have applied technologies for modern warfare that have never been seen. Mm -hmm. And I, my own judgment That's is changed since Russia, 2014. It's, so it, it evolved. Mm -hmm. 2014 began it, and then they kept adding new... new uh, General Milley was a key person when he's Army Chief of Staff in getting this rolling. So I wrote a few months ago when I went, went to Ukraine to look at this. I don't think Russia can win this war against the technology that it's facing. I don't think it's and, possible. And... and, and, and I want you to understand what was just said there. That is David Ignatius. He's the lead columnist, national security columnist for the Jeff Bezos, Amazon, Washington Post. He is the conventional wisdom. If Morning Joe is the morning show of the conventional wisdom among our sociopathic overlords, as Ben Harnwell would say, David Ignatius is the running dog uh, columnist for the national security state. He just said the quiet part out loud. I want everybody in this audience to embrace that. Since 2014, we've been arming these people. This goes back to the Captain Maureen Bannon. Instead of going to Afghanistan, they redeployed her to take those Abram tanks to the Baltics and to Poland, wait for it, in early 2014, right? That's when we started getting this whole deal ready. And he just said right there, Steve Cortez, how stunning and shocked are you? I mean, just right there. And, and using AI and that technology – I keep telling people we're actually doing the acquisition targeting for the Ukrainians. This is why that the Republicans got to get off their ass and they have to get Biden to come to Congress and lay out a War Powers Act. Right there, we're an enemy combatant. David right. Ignatius is bragging about it. It's one of the reasons that they've held off the Russians to date. Steve Cortez. You know, Steve, what Ignatius described there, I think, unfortunately, accurately, this is not a Cold War. It's not a proxy war. It's actually America deeply involved on the ground in Ukraine, effectively right now at war with Russia. But to your very important point, without any resolution from Congress, certainly without a declaration of war and without even the decency to come to the American people and make the case dispassionately with with facts and data to the American people why this regional struggle matters so much 
to the United States. You know, when David Ignatius talks about the way U.S. technology is being used, U.S. targeting, about the high fidelity view uh, of the battle space, all of that sounds like a nation that is very much at war. And in fact, I think that is the reality, that this war has already begun, but it's not too late for us to draw it back, particularly now that we, we control the U.S. House of Representatives. Also, I'm glad you played those completely hyperbolic tapes of MSNBC trying to compare this ridiculous staged drive-by visit of Biden to JFK and to Ronald Reagan. JFK, who, uh, whatever you think of his domestic policy, when it comes to foreign policy, was a fierce fighter for America, both personally uh, in World War II and then politically in the earliest days of the Cold War. Ronald Reagan, the man who brought the Cold War to a culmination, okay, these are two absolute statesmen and they should never ever be compared to the feckless Joe Biden who staged a photo op complete with ridic the ridiculous canard of air raid sirens that just coincidentally happened to ring for the first time in days and days at the moment that he stepped outside. The American people, of course, are not going to fall for this foolishness. And also one other point, you mentioned that she is going to Russia. On this very date, Steve, in 1972, this is the anniversary today of Richard Nixon going to Beijing to visit China. Why did he do that? After two decades of complete isolation between the U.S., almost no interactions between the U.S. and China, why did he do that? Not because he had any admiration at all for Mao, quite the opposite. He did it because we were in an existential struggle then with the Soviet Union, and he did not want the two greatest powers, both of which were communists, he did not want the two greatest powers of the Eurasian landmass to be in any way aligned. So he very smartly, very strategically drove a wedge between China and Russia. Okay, that was brilliant by Richard Nixon, and it set the stage for Reagan to later win the Cold War. We now have the exact opposite scenario where we are practically begging China and Russia to form an ever stronger alliance because of our needless escalation against Russia. Russia is not a material threat to the United States as long as we take a realpolitik view of Russia. China is the existential threat versus the United States. But again, we're practically begging them to form an ever closer alliance. This is the antithesis of a Nixonian approach um, in every way. It's the opposite of Trump's too. What we were trying to do is make sure Russia and uh, and China never partner. If Russia and China partners with the with the Mula, with Iran. First off, these are ancient civilizations. You've got a civilization. You got you got Persia. You have China. You have Russia now forming a new axis. Throwing Turkey. Throwing the uh, throwing the House of Saud uh, because of the output deals. Let's kick in Pakistan. Let's give them uh, North Korea, mini me, and then throw in a couple of the stands in Central Asia. Uh, and let's let's kick in Brazil and some activity in uh, in the Caribbean. The CCP controls the Caribbean. You got all you want, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard it here first. This is no more. Storm is coming. The storm right. is here. And right there, David Ignatius laid out to the American people what McCarthy and these Republicans and McCall and these guys don't get. We're an active combatant in this war in a high tech cyber war. Where uh, target acquisition, and they're talking about we're using artificial intelligence. We're using the state of the art. Now we're removed somewhat. We're in Poland or in some of these other territories, Romania, doing it right. But this is a high tech war, and it goes right there to, to about how the Ukrainians have held them off. Look, this we have got to get to the negotiating table, and we got to get to the negotiating table quickly. And Zelensky, and this is why Biden, it gives him an open checkbook, however long it takes, and whatever you need. 
right? And what they did and what Kamala Harris did on purpose to tee this up was to go to Munich and sit there and say, we have definitive proof. We have formally determined. Have they come forward now in 72 hours and shown us one scintilla? Have the Republicans been hounding for this? If McCarthy and McCall and these neocons think they're going to get off the hook there, you're not going to get off the hook. And let me tell you how important this plays. Ron DeSantis, who's a neocon's neocon, was in that uh, fire station or wherever he was in Staten Island, the police station, giving this talk yesterday to the first responders and to the police. He gave us he gave a talk to Fox and Friends. He sounded almost to the right of Trump on this. And then Trump's thing last night, Trump and the movement have moved everybody. Ron DeSantis saying, look, I don't know why we're in Ukraine. We got the southern border. I mean, he's given the Trump mantra. And this was a guy who was a neocon's neocon. So right now, the base of the Republican Party, the MAGA base, who are made up principally of veterans or parents of people who are serving, we're not pacifists. We're not peaceniks, right? We're not the traditional anti-war crowd. What we are is the anti-national suicide crowd, okay? We will not let this happen. We're not going to sleepwalk into this. All these – I'm a constitutional conservative. Okay, constitutional conservative, where are you in getting Joe Biden instead of being over in Kiev? Why is he not on Capitol Hill laying out – let him come to the nation and let the vote be the vote. If the country wants to vote for that and their representatives want to vote for that, hey, vote for it, okay? We're a constitutional republic, but we need Biden immediately to come to Congress and lay out exactly what the plan is. And we need hearings immediately about what our involvement is. What what the, what are we doing already? I realize the Armed Services Committee is traditionally the war committee, so most of the people on there are pro-military industrial complex. I got that. But we need hearings immediately. What, what Gates and what MTG and these others are tr- trying to do is too little. They're trying to do it. It's fine. But there's too few voices of the Republican Party, and this has got to be a gut check. you got Nikki Haley blowing around uh, Iowa, and she's still sitting there saying, Steve Cortez, why are we in right. Ukraine? Because this is about liberty. What are you, this is about liberty right. and freedom. Are you buying right. that, Brother Cortez? Uh, I'm not buying it. And most importantly, Republican voters aren't buying it. So let me put some numbers on this, and I posted this on my social media. Brand new poll out from ABC News, Washington Post. Not our kind of polling company, but nonetheless, it shows us the trend. Uh, asked, are we doing too much in, recur- in Ukraine? Ten months ago, among Republican voters, only 22% thought we were doing too much. There was almost unanimity last spring that we should escalate, that we should be intervening in Ukraine. Now, I think there were some brave America First Patriots. You were absolutely one of them standing up saying, wait a second, what's our U.S. vital national interest? Okay, making the case for de-escalation against intervention. Well, let's fast forward to the present day. In 10 months, what has happened? That number has more than doubled. It is now today among Republican voters, 51 percent, a majority uh, and climbing, I believe, of Republican voters believe that we are doing too much in Ukraine. So we are winning the argument for an America first approach of realism and restraint for a foreign policy of non-interventionism and de-escalation and diplomacy. We are winning the hearts and minds of all Americans. By the way, the number even of Democrats also more than doubled. It's lower than Republicans, as you might figure, uh, but it also more than doubled. The, The trend is our way here. The American people are waking up to just how dangerous this is, but not just dangerous, Steve, how expensive it is, and we can't afford it. You know, Todd Benzman's over right now. Uh, we're so jammed for news. He's giving his live press conference, the National Press Club, about, wait for it, 
the invasion on the southern border. That's the border that's in the national security yes. interest of the United States, not the eastern Russian-speaking border of two Slavic nations. They've been fighting over that for 5,000 years. They're going to fight 5,000 years in the future. Have at it. In Europe, all the guys in Europe, all the people in Davos, those nice Swiss chalets, start forking your money over. Start sending your sons and daughters over there. Let's see Europe stand up for once. Stop being a vassal state of America. Stop being a protectorate of the United States. Step up to the plate. Short break. Koffler, Cortez next. Friends, with so much chaos and danger in the world these days, I highly recommend you stock up on emergency food right away. Let's face it. You're going to need this food, and now is the time to get it before it's too late. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their popular three-month emergency food kit. When you do, you'll get $200 worth of survival gear as a free bonus. You need this gear when things fall apart or the grid goes down or any time you might have to fend for yourself. To see everything you'll get, go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Your $200 bonus gift comes free with each three-month emergency food kit you order. That way, everybody in your family can be prepared. But hurry, this offer won't last forever. Check this off your list and sleep better knowing your family won't suffer if the worst-case scenario ever happens. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and score free shipping too. MyPatriotSupply.com. Take action. Do it today. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, we want to see everybody at uh, CPAC. Go to CPAC.org slash warm, 47 bucks off. You are not going to want to miss it, particularly, I'm telling you, you think it's hot this week, it's going to be hotter next week. We want to see everybody in person. Tickets are under 250 bucks. You get to be part of a live audience. We're going to be doing it for four days. And then President Trump on Saturday, that is going to be a amazingly important speech. I actually think the 24 campaign kicks off tomorrow in East Palestine, Ohio. And here's why. The, the Michael Patrick lays me at the top of the hour. The EPA, remember talking about the EPA? The administrator canceled the trip to Africa. He's now flying back. He's going to go to East Palestine. They're the ones that have the authority. The local coordinator, the, the on-scene commander for that area has gotten back to Michael Patrick Leahy, who's writing up right now a reporter on this show at 11 o'clock, that they are saying, that, wait, wait for this one, who gave the authority for the controlled release and the controlled burn? They're blaming it on the fire chief. You can't make this up. They're blaming it on the fire chief of East Palestine, Ohio. The fire chief of a 4,000-person uh, village, Hamlet. They're blaming him that he gave the authorization. Hey, note to EPA, note to Governor DeWine, note to Governor Shapiro, and most importantly, note to Norfolk Southern, the chairman and CEO. No, 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 no. You're not going to the, the, the folks in East Palestine are not going to be blamed for this. And particularly, you're not going to blame the fire chief. OK, nice try. Not going to work. War room's going to be all over you. We need Yost. The Attorney General of Ohio, supposed to be a good man in MAGA. Sir, what you need to do immediately is to impanel a criminal grand jury to start to get the timeline and testimony and start with Norfolk Sovereign. But, hey, you can expand it out. You can expand it out to the EPA. You can expand it out to um, uh, Governor DeWine. You can expand it out to Shapiro and all that credit. Anybody you want to. Even bring the fire chief in. Bring the poor fire chief. You're not going to blame this ecological and human humanitarian disaster on a fire chief in East Palestine, Ohio. That dog won't hunt. 
Okay, so you can do all the spinning you want. But this is why you have to keep pressure on these people because they're going to come forward with their lies. Right? They're, let's get them on the record with their lies. Yost, the Attorney General of Ohio, step up to the plate. Impanel a criminal grand jury and impanel that a criminal grand jury today. Okay, we shouldn't let this thing go long any, uh, any longer. Show the nation that in Ohio, the rule of law works and the little guy's voice is heard. You're now going to dump, now the EPA, the Biden regime is going to try to dump this responsibility on the folks, on the decent, hardworking folks in East Palestine. And they're going to say, oh, it's your fire chief. Give me a freaking break. The fire chief, the fire chief. This is how stupid they think you are. This is what contempt they hold you in. That's a The guy's going to Africa for a seven-day boondoggle on climate change with a bunch of celebrities, and we finally shamed him on coming. He's heading to East Palestine because Donald Trump's showing up. DeWine's going back there because Donald Trump's showing up, and now they're starting to cough up. Oh, yeah, well, here's who did it. It was the fire chief. Yeah, I think one of the fire – yeah, it was the fire chief. Fire chief did that. Screw you. Not going to hear you. Yeah, you can hold – you're not going to hold people in contempt for too long. Because we're going to start banging heads, okay? It's unacceptable what you allowed to happen. And you're sitting there lying now and trying to blame it on some local fire chief in a 4,000-town village and what you've done to the country, what you've done to the nation, and particularly what you've done to those poor folks there. They're not disposable garbage, okay? And we're not going to let you treat them like trash. You people make me sick to my stomach. You make me sick. You're, you're, there's no term. This is the administrative state. Why do you think we're fighting this thing? They're just in their arrogance, right? Look what David Ignatius just told you. Did anybody in this room, did anybody in this audience, this massive audience vote to start arming Ukraine with advanced technology? Anybody know what was going on from 2014? David Ignatius just told you from 2014. Did you know they're doing all the target acquisition for, for Ukraine? Did you know that? Did you know that? No, nobody knew that. Oh, I didn't know that. That's called sleepwalking, ladies and gentlemen. And right now, you have to take personal responsibility. You know enough from the war room. You can't. No more hiding. No more hiding. Okay? It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's Cortez's responsibility. It's Koffler's responsibility. It's Trump's responsibility. It's DeSantis. It's Tucker. It's all of it. We know enough now what's going on. We can't just sit there. Oh, it's Biden and the Democrats. No. This can all be stopped can all be stopped by this audience alone. Enough pressure on these feckless, gutless, spineless Republicans, right? You put enough pressure on them, we can bring this whole thing to a halt. We can save humanity from getting, because, hey, you don't think Putin would light this thing up? This, this is a criminal. You got, here's what we got. We have the worst of all nightmares. You have a merger you remember the Godfather of Cortez? You have a merger of the worst criminal elements in the world. The, the Mexican drug cartels are like junior varsity compared to these guys. You got the you got the murderous criminal regime in Beijing that have killed hundreds of millions of their own people and could care less. You've right. got the criminal element in in Moscow with Putin and the KGB FSB guys, right? Who who are the follow-ons of Stalin and these guys could care less who how many they're killing, and you've got. The Ayatollahs and Mullahs in Persia, in Tehran, who t- could care less of how many people they're killing, right? You're going to throw in Erdogan. He's a lovely piece of work. You're going to throw in the House of Saud. They're fantastic. They're, they're humanitarians, right? They're so great. Uh, let's kick in the Pakistan guys, and let's throw in Mini-Me up there in North Korea. That's a lovely group right there. It's all criminal element, and we've allowed it to come together. Cortez, this ain't a storm that's coming. This is a storm that's here, isn't it, brother? 
Right. No, it is a storm that has started. But again, it's not too late to pull back from the precipice. And we, the, the deplorables, the America First movement, earned the right to a, an incredible lever of power in Washington, D.C. that is the House of Representatives. Um, and particularly as it pertains to this debt ceiling, this showdown, which is upcoming, it's an enormous pressure point. And it can be used to achieve and demand uh, accountability on issues like the border, uh, the border that matters, the southern border of the United States, not the eastern border of Ukraine, and now on issues of if you want to continue this escalation, Joe Biden, and the Washington war machine, the defense contractors, K Street, all of it, if you want to continue this escalation, you are going to have to come to Congress and you're going to have to dispassionately make your case to the American people a, why this matters so much to the United States, and then B, if it does matter, what is the actual plan? And lay it out for us in detail. What is the plan in terms of timeline, in terms of American commitment, and in terms of the finances? How are we going to pay for it? Because this is a critical point uh, that I've repeated often, but I think it bears repeating. The reality is we are borrowing the mountain of money that we are sending over to Ukraine. So it's an incredibly dangerous situation from just a national security perspective. But on top of that, adding insult to injury, it is also making our economic predicament, which is dire, especially for middle-class people, it is making our economic crisis all the worse here at home because we are borrowing the money to needlessly stoke uh, a, a, a battle which should be regional, and unfortunately is becoming ever more in, at risk of becoming a global conflagration because of the escalatory tactics of Joe Biden. By the way, too, one quick point, because MSNBC and, and most of corporate media, they made a big deal overnight and this morning about how brave this was of Joe Biden to go to Ukraine. Give me a break, okay? There has been a carousel of Hollywood celebrities posing with Zelensky, okay? One of the, I think, the darkest figures in the world right now, Zelensky. And that doesn't make Putin uh, any better than him, by the way, but let's just be honest about who Zelensky is. But there's been a carousel of Hollywood celebrities in and out of Ukraine, a carousel of Vogue uh, photographers in and out of Ukraine to take pictures. I'm just glad, by the way, that Biden, apparently he was able to get some time on Zelensky's schedule in between his photo shoots. But spare me the ridiculous hyperbolic talk about how, how brave this was. It's ridiculous. No, no. First off, first off we asked permission of Russia. They notified Putin right before they even left D.C. We asked, let's be blunt, we asked permission. We kowtow everywhere. Rebecca Koffler, to this audience, how dangerous is this right now, given the fact that you know Putin and his, and his, and his cronies around him, these gangsters in, uh, in Moscow as well as anyone? Uh, we're in uncharted territory. As they look at the world, how dangerous is, is this next couple of months? It's 1,000% uh, dangerous, Steve. Here's why. Um, I agree uh, with Steve that uh, this was pure theatrics, but it was also extremely reckless for Biden to go into the combat zone. Yes, they did have to ask the Russians because the Russians own airspace over there. But remember, the Russians actually took down MH17 airliner, and back during the Cold War, they also took down KL-007. And when Putin hears the rhetoric, this man can no longer remain in power, and U.S. wants to... Um, 
strategically defeat Russia. What do you think some uh, of the hardlines think? What do you think? I think it is extremely reckless for Biden to show up in that combat zone and do all of his, you know, he's almost as uh, theatrically skillful as Zelensky at this point. Remember the, the big hug and kiss, the uh, the handwritten note, the tie that he wore, and then, of course, that, uh, that siren. But going back on how extremely dangerous um, the situation is, right now. I want to follow up on something very important that Steve Cortez just said, Uh, but I want to zero in on the second part of his statement. He said, Russia is not a material threat to the United States. I agree with that statement, especially with the caveat that came after that. So long as the United States does not further erode Russia's strategic security perimeter, which the United States has done, as you just yourself um, articulated. Well, uh, what's his name? Ignatius did. And uh, by the way, Ignatius, he um, he's a spokesperson, a publicist for the CIA. I have personal and direct knowledge that he is, you know, in the roller decks of the CIA people. And this guy knows what he's doing. They leak information to him, including classified information, and sometimes they even use him. So Ignatius acknowledged that we're doing target acquisition. So as Steve said, we're already at war. But so since the Russians have concluded that we are seeking the strategic defeat, that's when Russia presents a threat. And here's here's the threat. You started talking in the first segment about tactical use. We are now in the strategic ground because that's what our start is. And if you couple Putin's action, right, withdraw, uh, suspending start with the situation that we had last week, when uh, Russian strategic nuclear capable uh, bombers breached uh, the air defense identification zone in North American airspace, uh, flying close to Alaska, and they did that eight times in two days. What do you think they're doing there? They're practicing, they're operationalizing concepts of first strike. They won't do that. They won't strike the United States out of the blue. The doctrine is there's no longer, you know, uh, the mad and the strike out of the blue sky like we had during the Cold War. But they do have the first use doctrine, meaning if they assess that the United States is about to defeat Russia um, and, and, and do any kind of, and it doesn't need to be defeated in nuclear weapons and conventional, or it could be in a cyber attack. They will absolutely target the U.S. And that's how it Rebecca, hang on. Hang on for one second. We're going to take a short commercial break. Rebecca Koffler, Steve Cortez, join us. In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned. Sad to say, but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime 
in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range, and with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, all one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter iTargetPro.com. That's iTargetPro.com. Offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. New social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Rebecca Koffler, can you give your coordinates? How you, I know you're the new starlet of, uh, on Fox and Friends in the Morning, and congratulations on that. You're giving, you're giving great information, but can you give uh, your information, how people get the book, because still the best insight on Putin and how they think. Also, um, which the title sounded a little over the top when you first came out with it, but more and more, as scary as it is, it sounds like we're sleepwalking into a, a major punch right in the face. How do people get the book? How do they get to your writings? Sure. Uh, the book is available anywhere, really, on Amazon or in any bookstore. The title, uh, I disagreed with the, re- the title that was chosen by my literary agent. But if you understand the premise that uh, Steve Cortez just talked about and I amplified, um, as long as we do not erode Russia's strategic security perimeter, then Russia will not attack us. But what we're doing right now, as you just pointed out, we have become effectively a direct party uh, to war with the world's most powerful nuclear um, nuclear state, Russia. And so that will give, uh, the Russians believe that will give them the right. So I'm on Getter, Twitter, and uh, uh, True Social at Rebecca0132. Thank you for having me, and God bless to everyone. Rebecca, thank you very much. Honored to have you on here. Um, Cortez, we're going to move off of this topic and on to economics, et cetera, but any closing thoughts you've got as um, we're sleepwalking into this, and the demand has to be the MAGA Republicans have got to step up, and all those people that didn't want to come to their defense on the five days that changed the country in early January have got to step up now. What we need is a commitment. By the way, the Associated Press is reporting under 50 percent. NBC had it on the other day. Only 48 percent of the people, according to the Associated Press, support this program in Ukraine right now. The right. numbers are coming our way. In, 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 in yes. and, and you can tell this. DeSantis was not born last night. He's a neocon's neocon, and he's preaching old-time religion here on this Ukraine situation. Just you know, I've, I've got it up on, on Getter right now. He gave a Trumpian MAGA response uh, to Ukraine the other day, right? No more, uh, we're fighting for freedom, we're fighting for liberty. No more nonsense coming out of Nikki Haley and the rest of the neocons. Uh, Your thoughts and observations on this? 
Uh, look, the, the stance on Ukraine was a significant issue in the 2022 Republican primaries. And there are some candidates, J.D. Vance probably being the best example, some candidates who prevailed, I think, largely because they took a very brave, non-interventionist stance on Ukraine. But now that the situation has escalated so much because of Joe Biden, I think it's going to be a primary issue, not just an, ex an important one, but a primary issue into 2024 primaries, whether for president or any other federal office, right? Uh, because of the danger that you're talking about. I think it's also important for us to draw this contrast, of course, because these ridiculous comparisons from corporate media are going to persist of pretending uh, that Joe Biden is somehow Reagan-esque or that he's Kennedy, either one of them going to Berlin. It's very important to draw this contrast. The Soviet Union was a powerful empire and a global menace that was on the march all over the world, okay? A, 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 an empire that put missiles 90 miles away from the United States. That's the kind of existential struggle we faced in the Cold War, which required such extraordinary means from the United States. When we look at Russia today, markedly different, of course, from the Soviet Union. Russia today uh, has trouble even controlling its near influence, its, its, its near border influence, okay? It is not on the march all over the world. It is a struggling and fading power. Now they do have an ultimate weapon in powerful nuclear weapons, but other than that, they're really not very potent and they don't need to be an adversary of the United States. Uh, if, we, if we take a realpolitik view, and if we follow that kind of foreign policy agenda of realism and restraint, Russia is largely immaterial to the United States, whereas China is now what the Soviet Union used to be. China is the existential threat to the United States, economically, militarily, cyber, you, know, you name it, in every single sense. And again, to just reemphasize this point, on the anniversary of Richard Nixon's overture to China, which was brilliant in 1972 on this day, um, we are pursuing an exactly opposite, uh, the, the, the anti-Nixonian policy of practically compelling Beijing and Moscow to form an ever more powerful alliance because of this recklessness. You know, let me throw in one other unfortunate anniversary today, Steve, about the consequences, right, of a rush to war um, and, a, and of a lack of seriousness and, and of a, of a uh, unfortunately, uh, a rush to escalation. Today in 1916 began the Battle of Verdun, one of the most brutal and bloody battles in all of human history. It lasted almost the entire year of 1916 during World War I. 300,000 people were killed in the Battle of Verdun, ultimately 750,000 total casualties. Uh, one of the gravest mistakes in world history, World War I. Let's think about that as we sleepwalk toward potentially a global war because of an eastern border of a country that is not relevant to the national security of the United States. That's the reality here. I implore the American people to think about this in a very sober and dispassionate way and realize that our problems are not 5,000 miles away. Our problems are here at home, economically, and regarding our very own border, which is totally unguarded. We're going to get to all that here uh, momentarily. We're going to take a 90-second break. we got Joe Reese going to join us. Cortez is going to go through some economics everybody has to hear. We're going to go to East Palestine. We've got, uh, we've got uh, Michael Patrick Leahy with breaking news there. To, to, to um, Cortez's point, as a young naval officer in the, in the mid to late 70s, I was on a destroyer in the 7th Fleet, the Western Pacific Fleet. We were an anti-submarine platform uh, to defend the carrier, the cattle ba carrier battle group. Our, our, our task and purpose with Soviet submarines in the Western Pacific, South China Sea, Straits of Taiwan, 
East China Sea, Indian Ocean, all that. Okay, not Chinese submarines, Soviet submarines. They were a global power and a global enemy. Okay, and now we're sleepwalking right into a war where people are throwing around these terms like tactical nuclear weapons, like it's just some sort of garden party talk. Okay, short commercial break, 90 seconds. We're going to come back. We got Joe Reeks going to join us from my Patriot Supply. We got Cortez. We got a bunch of economics to go through. We're going to get Michael Patrick Lee and Jeff Clark. The EPA has announced they found the culprit. They have found the villain, and the villain is the fire chief of East Palestine, Ohio. Does he have the authority? Does he have the authority? Does he have the authority with a $6 trillion federal budget in the EPA, the Nazis over the EPA, eco-Nazis? Does he have the authority? That's where they're trying to stick it on, all next in the war room. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. 